Something is bubbling among women today. Women crave honest stories that entertain, motivate, and move them. Women want reinforcement that they are not alone in feeling the way that they do and that they can feel good about their prospects. Stories and Strategies for Women podcast will share riveting stories about amazing women. I'm your host, Claudine Walk. A good story well told is powerful. A good story can motivate. A good story can inspire action. Hey, Stories and Strategies listeners. We are very excited to welcome a new sponsor. It's iBobs at iBobs.com. I discovered iBobs a few years ago when I needed readers. If I needed to wear glasses, I wanted them to be fun to wear and fun to buy. iBobs fits the bill and makes buying glasses super easy. Wondering what frames look the best on you? Check out the style quiz on the site to help you find the perfect frames iBobs is offering a special discount for Stories and Strategies for Women listeners. Enter promo code STORIESANDSTRAT10, spell the end, at the checkout to receive your 10% discount today. Welcome to Stories and Strategies for Women. I'm your host, Claudine Walk. Sierra Stockland is a serial entrepreneur. Her business mindset and tenacity led her to opening her first store, Mamma Mia, a high-end maternity store located in Fargo, North Dakota, in 2006. Her vast experience in both retail and wholesale industries led her to launch the first two-market wholesale subscription box for boutique retailers, which she built and sold within 18 months. Most recently, Sierra has launched the Boutique Workshop, a coaching program for retailers. Welcome, Sierra. Hello, I'm excited to be here. Oh, we're so excited to have you. So your website is sierrastockland.com, C-I-A-R-A-S-T-O-C-K-E-L-A-N-D.com, which I will put in the show notes. You got to start with telling us, um, we're, we're going to hear all about your story, but what, tell us what a wholesale subscription box is. Yes. So um, I had a lot of experience by this point when I launched the boutique box in both retail and wholesale. And I just saw a need in the industry to bring together these beautiful new um, vendors that were popping up everywhere and the boutique owners all over the country. People weren't going to market like they used to. Um, And so I thought, why not put samples of products into a subscription box, ship them out to the retailers. They get it every month or every other month. They can look at these samples, basically have market delivered to them right in a box, choose what they want. And it's a great way to curate new brands for their store. So we launched the boutique box, matching up vendors or wholesalers and boutique retailers all over the country. I love that. So you're bringing, you're bringing together the product and the seller. Yes. I love that. Uh, and you're, you're really helping the folks who are making the products as well to get their, to get their, some exposure. Absolutely. Terrific. And that is that is a business that you uh, you spun off. You sold that. Yes. So my goal with that one was to build it and sell it. I had owned a couple other businesses and I just wanted to build and sell something quickly. So we launched in February 2018 and then I sold it last year. Good for you. That's that's such a great story. Okay. So now you have the Boutique Workshop, which is a coaching program for retailers. Can you tell us a bit about that? And how long have you been doing that? Yeah. So I should probably get my facts but it's been a couple of years. Um, it, it's morphed a bit, um, about a year and a half as the boutique workshop, but I was coaching before I formally labeled it that name and um, formally developed the group coaching program. Um, but we just work with boutique retailers all over the country. We're in 48 states. 
I have two more. Wow. That I need. Maybe I will from your show because they're um, they're Paci- or not Pacific Northwest. Um, they're Northwest nice. states. So I think Rhode Island and Maine are my my two states that we're not in yet. Um, but we just work with retailers, large and small. It doesn't matter if you're just starting out or if you've been in business for a dozen years. And we work specifically on building a good foundation, understanding your inventory and how that plays into your profit margins teaching the profit first method, like how do you take a paycheck consistently as a retailer? Just everything numbers related is what we focus on. Wow. Okay. And a little bit of marketing sprinkled in. A little bit of marketing sprinkled in. Yes. Nice. And you also are the host of a podcast called The Boutique Workshop. Yes. How original. Yeah. <laughs> I thought this way when people Google the boutique workshop, they can find what they need, right? Say, we'll just label branding, it all branding. Yeah. Yes, yes. Love it. Okay. Perfect. So tell us your personal story, if you don't mind. Yes. How did you get started and become this, this retail guru? Yes. Yeah, so um, I'm a native of North Dakota third generation entrepreneur. My grandpa owned a small business, my dad. So we were always around small business conversation. So nothing was foreign. Like that wasn't scary or foreign to me, the thought of owning my own business. Um, And in fact, it was the only thing that I could naturally land on when I was getting ready to go to college. I just couldn't figure out what to go to college for and how, how would I choose a career and sit in a cubicle or do something like that? I just wanted to build and create. Um, as a child, you know, I was always selling things to the neighbors and being creative, lemonade stands, all the things, um, launched my first business that turned into a formal business when I was 13. It was an acting company. We started out with homeschool kids. Um, but by the end we were working with college, high school, public, private homeschool. Um, we had a a full fledged theater company running, got married, had two little ones. And I was like, I'm kind of done with theater and all the nights and weekends after school time, Um, And so I'm just going to be done, close that chapter, but I wanted to build something again. Like I can't just sit and do nothing. And so I thought, well, I'd like to have a store. Um, I'd never worked in retail, but I thought that would be fun, I guess. (laughs) Traded nights and weekends for nights and weekends and holidays is what I ended up doing. (laughs) But um, yeah, so we launched uh, the first retail store in 2006, Mama Mia. Um, A couple months later, my husband was working for a trucking company and they would haul for stores. And when they'd have claimed or salvaged freight, the company would pay for it and it would sit in a warehouse. And he came to me and he's like, Hey, Sierra, you have a boutique or a retail store. Would you mind selling? I have two truckloads of salvaged inventory. Would you sell it for me? And I was like, well, it'd be kind of weird to put it in my maternity store, but I won't say no to an opportunity. So we rented a little hole in the wall spot right next door to the Mama Mia. We did a handshake deal. Um, He would pay for the product and I think he paid for rent and then I did payroll and managed it. Um, And we just opened up that second concept and it did amazingly well. Um, And so we ended up merging the two concepts. So we brought the outlet idea into the beautiful boutique environment and then we franchised that, built it and grew it um, over a decade. And um, we had a warehouse and we did some wholesaling to mom and pop stores and to big brands like TJ Maxx. Um, and so I've just been around a lot of inventory, um, a lot of retail. I've opened, um, I counted the other day, I've opened 21 locations. Wow. Um, you know, over the course of my retail history. So I've opened a few boutiques and yeah, just kept learning, growing, changing, building. Um, and then when I was done with that, I launched the boutique box. And then because of the relationships in boutique box, um, started the coaching business, which I never thought I would end up as a coach. How but about that? Here I am. Yeah. yeah. Do you miss the retail side of it? I don't. 
Okay. I don't. Yeah. (laughs) It was a lot of, um, yeah, just a lot of long days. It's hard work. Retail is hard work. You're on your feet. So much customer service. I am so, so happy sitting behind my desk, helping people. (laughs) I love it. I'm so happy. Oh, good for you. That's awesome. I love that. Okay. So tell us about the boutique workshop coaching, because I'm sure there are a lot of women out there. We, We interview, I interview a lot of gals who have started their own business, who want to start their own business, who dream and fantasize about starting their own business. Yes. A lot of them want to own their own store. So what what's the number one piece of advice that you have for them? Learn to do things correct and build a strong foundation from the beginning. And if you're already into your journey, start today. So it's never, ever too late to adjust course, to do things right, to build a foundation. Um, We have women that come into the boutique workshop and they've been in business for many years. They're making money. And this is the first time they've ever heard or been told that they should enter cost into their inventory in their POS system when they receive it. And that's okay. We say, that's fine. Let's start today. It doesn't matter what you used to do. Let's start today. Um, So I think just learn how to build a strong foundation and don't shy away from the numbers because you're uncomfortable with them. You don't know what to look at or how to look at them. Um, You have to understand numbers if you want a profitable business. Wow. Okay. And are there particular software uh, packages that you suggest for retailers, the point of sale and also the POS and also the accounting? Yes. Yeah. So most people use Shopify for their point of sale. Um, I don't really have one in particular. I'd suggest that's just by far the most popular. It's They're constantly developing it. It integrates really nicely with other programs like Comment Sold or Delirious Profit. There's lots of apps. So it's, it's just a pretty seamless product. So most use Shopify. We use QuickBooks Point of Sale, actually, um, when I launched. And then we switched over to Springboard, who's bought, been bought out now by Heartland, I think. But So I've used a few different point of sale systems. I think the main thing when you're looking for a point of sale is make sure you can get reports. So there are some point of sales systems that all they basically do is ring product up for you, but you can't ever look at how much inventory you own, even if you were to put the costs in, if they just don't have the reporting functionality. So you want to make sure that you can pull good reports and you have information at your fingertips when you want it. And then as far as accounting, QuickBooks, you know, that's always the number one. Um, It's nice because you can do it on your own. It's pretty simple to do on your own um, or really any accountant bookkeeper. I mean, they're first in QuickBooks. So it's really easy to find help with it and support. Okay. So said in the most simple terms, the point of sale software is going to be tracking your inventory and the, the cost of everything that you're buying. Um, is it also, obviously it's including the sale price because you're, it's point of sale. Um, and then on the accounting side, it's, it's, uh, going to be taking care of your cash, the, the QuickBooks. Some people might think, Hey, I don't want to spend money on the QuickBooks side because, you know, maybe the point of sale software has some accounting to it, to which you would say. Yeah. So think of it this way. So I had a client in the boutique workshop the other day and she said, I had my biggest month ever. I still don't have money. Where did all the money go? (laughs) And so first question I asked her, do you have debt? Like, do you have loan payments? Do you have credit card payments? Okay, your point of sale system doesn't do anything with that. So your point of sale says, oh my goodness, you just made $50,000, good for you. And you're like, but my bank account says all I have left is 1,000, like where did the money go? So the inventory is part of where that money goes, right? Because we we pay for the inventory, then we have to replace the inventory. So let's say you have a 50% margin. You make $50,000, 
with a 50% margin, $25,000 of that right away, it's already gone, right? It's already goes back into inventory. So you're only left with 25. Then you have rent, payroll, taxes, payroll taxes, insurance, marketing, all of the things. So that might leave you with, let's say $2,000 in net profit. If you have $4,000 in loan payments, you're behind in your checking account, like you're negative, right? And so if you say, well, I don't want to pay for the accounting side of things, I'm just going to run everything out of PayPal, or I'm just going to run with Shopify, you're missing out on such a big part of your story. And until you can see the story of your business by looking at all of the numbers, you can never improve, grow, become profitable. And you'll always be behind because you can't see where where those numbers are going. So the accounting side manages your cash. It tells you how the cash comes in, where the cash goes out. And once you see that, then you have a plan of action. You can create a plan of action because now you know. And there might be a teeny tiny little bit of overlap on the on the QuickBooks side, because you're going to re-enter your sales, right. you're going to re-enter your cost of sales, but maybe not to the same detail as you'll have it on the point of sale. Is that, is yeah, that an and easy that's way to do it? To, Why should I yeah, do things just, twice? But it, it, it really right. is important. Yeah, it's so important to have those, you know, so if you're manually, if you're not feeding them over, you're manually entering into your accounting system to do it on a consistent day, you know, so there's, it's clear and it's cut and it's dry, pull those financials. I think if you have a bookkeeper and you get financials, I have so many clients who are like, I have a bookkeeper. And I'm like, that is amazing. What do you do when they send you their financials every month? I'm like, I don't do anything with them. Okay. So now let's learn to read them. You know, look at that profit and loss and go back to your bookkeeper or your accountant and say, what is this number? I don't know what that is. Like, why is that there? Like learning, literally, you should be able to look at your financials in 10 minutes. You'll get so easy. Like, look at it, skim over it, anything look off. It doesn't look weird. Nope. Good to go. Or, uh oh, you put this in the wrong account or this was a mistake or someone charged me and they shouldn't. Right. That's another thing we miss out on when we don't have accounting and we just let our bank account just do its own thing and we just sell stuff. What happens when people charge you twice? What Like you're not watching any of that. Right. And that's why you can make a lot of money on the top and have nothing to show for it. Right. In yeah. Your bank. It's just a little aside. I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but I, I think it's illustrative, um, illustrative. I forget how you... I think both I ways think are good. illustrative. Is it illustrative? I don't know. Illustrative? That sounds Whatever. good. We'll go with that. We'll, we'll look it up. <laughs> okay. Um, I used to work for a McDonald's owner who owned 14 stores. And each store had its own profit and loss. And he would sit with me and he would go, and I'll tell you to your point, it would take him maybe five minutes to go through all 14 stores because we had it set up where there was a percentage change. And if the percentages were consistent, then he knew everything was fine. If there was a change, he wanted the, he wanted the answer. Yeah. Yeah. So it really helps and it makes you, got it, it it probably helps you sleep at night, right? Oh, absolutely. And you can, if you're behind and if your business is not doing well, or it's look, maybe at top line, it's doing awesome, but the bot, like you just don't have the cash. People don't want to look at the ugly, right? Cause it's, I don't want to look at it. I'm just going to ignore it. But when you look at it and you say, okay, this is not pretty, but now I know, like now I have a baseline and then I'll work with Sierra and I'll make a plan. There you go. I always Ooh, tell I people too, and they come, they're like, oh, my stuff's such a mess. I love messes. <laughs> I love them. Is like, that a tagline? I love yes. messes. <laughs> I love messes. <laughs> they do not scare me. Every mess can be cleaned up. Every mess can be cleaned oh, up. Oh, gosh. You're you so You have comforting. to know that it's a mess. All right. So, you know. Stay tuned for our interview with Sierra Stockland. 
after these messages. We are excited to welcome a new sponsor. Thriftbooks.com is a cool way for you to buy your favorite books. If you're like me, you want a book in your hands when you read, or maybe you simply want to buy your favorite books to place on your shelf, but you don't want to pay full price. Thriftbooks has the answer. Search used books at their online site, thriftbooks.com. Books are reasonably priced, plus each purchase adds credits to your account, which you can apply to future purchases in their Reading Rewards program. You may even have enough credit for a free book. The nicest part is that you don't have to keep track. Thriftbooks keeps track for you and lets you know right at the point of purchase that credits are available for your use to apply on the spot. There's a link to thriftbooks.com in the show notes. Or click the ad on my website, ClaudineWalk.com. Well, so everything that you're saying sounds fantastic. How how would how does it work? The the your boutique workshop. How does it work? I want to sign up with you. What's the yeah. process? Yes. So um, my goal when I built the boutique workshop, it's a group coaching program, was to build the most phenomenal group coaching program you could ever find. And so to me, what defines a phenomenal group coaching program is that. I'm there, that you're heard, that you get your questions answered, that it's organized, that we do things on time. And what's really signature to the way that I um, coach is taking one topic and breaking it down into bite-sized actionable steps. So you would sign up for the boutique workshop. It's month to month, cancel anytime. Most people stay forever, but um, it's month to month. It's not for you. Okay. Yep. Easy on, easy off. If it's not for you, I don't want you to be in it. Like I want it to work for you and I want you to love it. Um, So you just sign up. We do one topic. So you get your workbook. We kick it off with a Zoom call, which you can join live or you can watch the replay. Every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Central in our private Facebook group, I show up and I teach the concept for the week on a whiteboard so you can see it. Because I think a lot of times um, people that are in an art type industry, so retail, interior design, we're visual, right? So we can't just hear how to do things. We need to like see it worked out. And especially when it comes to numbers. So I whiteboard out, that's about 20 minutes once a week. You work on your task, you come back the next week and we add another layer. So by the end of every month, you have one topic kind of figured out or hammered out. So like this month, we're working on a holiday buying budget. Last month, we worked on marketing, holiday marketing, how to put that together. Um, And then all of the previous challenges, everything is in the library. So if you're like, oh my goodness, I'd really love Profit First, but she's not teaching that now, you can go back and you can watch old um, videos and download the workbook and kind of go through it on your own if you want to. Wow, it sounds amazing. You know, I I hate to bring this up as an analogy, but it's it's kind of hitting me like, you remember those old quilt quilt a square that you know if you're putting together a quilt it's the square of the month or what is it called a yeah. square square yeah, of the so month. you'd work on one and then you just keep building yes it. exactly yes. that's that's exactly what this sounds like i love that block block of the month yeah yes and then oh. you add them all together and yeah. you have this beautiful picture oh i love that oh that's wonderful okay and and it's an area where uh it sounds like it's it's industry specific to retail, but it also maybe can translate to other industries. Is that something that you market to as well? Yeah. So I really kind of struggled with this when I was launching it. Cause I was like, oh, all these principles would work. Should I, you know, and then is it the old, like, do you niche down or do you? And so I decided there's a million and one boutique owners. I'll just focus on retail, but the concepts are the same, like mm-hmm. learning to read a PL, understanding a balance sheet, knowing like if you have inventory, how to manage it, Last month when we worked on marketing, we literally, each week we did something different, but we would break down, what is this marketing for? Is it to bring foot traffic, to create sales or brand awareness? 
Nobody had, they were like, I never thought of that. Yep. There's different reasons that you market. And then how do you assign the dollars to those initiatives and how do you measure the success? So if you want to increase foot traffic by a hundred people in your doors a week, and you're going to do this marketing initiative to make that happen, how do you track that? So that doesn't matter if you, you know, whatever kind of business you have, you need foot traffic. So the concepts are the same, but we really work specifically with, and I market to retailers. Of any type. So we have shoe stores, kids stores, gift shops. Um, I have a a couple florist shops. So if you sell things, if you exchange things for dollar bills, it's a perfect fit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm your girl. Okay. (laughs) I just want to go back. So you've been so successful in your own right as a retailer, as a entrepreneur, selling businesses. Uh, and you also have a family. Uh, yeah. Yeah. How how does that work? Because I know a lot of girls are probably listening, thinking, "Oh my gosh, how does she do this with kids?" Because I can't even use the bathroom alone with kids. Yeah. <laughs> and she's I, running I, I businesses. I had those days too. Yeah. Yeah. So when I started Mama Mia, my first store, Bella was one and Harrison was three. I have this cute picture of them. I do not know why I let them eat pizza on the gross carpet, but they're sitting on the gross <laughs> carpet eating pizza. So I don't know, you know, so you gotta do what you gotta do. Yep, yeah. I must've entertained them. So I'm like, go for it, whatever. We can wash the germs away. Right. Um, but yeah, so they were really little. So they've been around small business forever. I just think like for me, they know how to work hard. They've seen me fail. They've seen me cry. They've seen me fire people. They've seen me win and how exciting that is. There's something pretty unique when you can bring children alongside an entrepreneurial journey. It just gives them an appreciation for hard work and for people. And um, so I think it's only benefited them as far as managing the time with it. Um, when they were little, um, you know, our store had pretty limited hours. We weren't open Sunday or Monday. So I was home with them. We always had a nanny, which people would be like, oh my goodness, it must be so nice. And I actually paid less to a nanny that I did, would have to daycare. So it's kind of funny because you can assume things, but I was pretty creative with that. And that was, that was awesome. That was the one thing we would, we tell every, if you can do that because they slept in their own bed, they ate at their own table. So there was that consistency. So I think that helped when I was gone and busy. Um, I've taken kids with my kids with me on lots of trips. They've sat in banking offices and insurance offices and, you know, all the things. And you just, you do what you need to do. Structure's important. Um, my kids both, um, we did, we would do room time when they were little. So like, this is your time so that I have an hour to do these things. You're going to play in your room for an hour. So just teaching them how to entertain themselves and things like that. So, um, I think it's been really good. They're not home today. They're old now. So they run around on their own, but I think they would tell you that it's been way better than, than not. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, I always say it's a nice, it's a great example, but it's also mom isn't just a person who's here to fill every need of mine. She, she has her own things too. Yeah. And it, it might not feel good at the moment when they want whatever it is that they want, but as they get older, it's something that they remember and say, well, you know yeah. what, I'm going to, I'm going to take that for myself because I remember my mom did that too. Yeah. And yeah. just teaching them to advocate for themselves, to get out and meet people. Um, I testified in front of the Senate a few years ago on behalf of small business. And I took my daughter with me Neat. and she got to sit and wow. it was so cool. The senators, one of the female senators, um, before we started the 
the conversation or whatever said, I just want to say Bella, like how amazing this is at your mom. I mean, that's the kind of stuff like that you, if you maximize on that as a small business owner, the opportunities you can give your kids are amazing. Yeah. Something that we don't really think of. And I love that aspect of it. That's, that's really neat. Very neat. Um, The other thing I wanted to ask you was about, um, I think we mentioned the podcast, um, or if we didn't, it's the Boutique Workshop Podcast, and you mentioned something really great about that, which is it's, they're short. Very short. (laughs) Unlike mine. (laughs) Mostly. Well, you know what? Okay, so I listen to podcasts every day when I walk my dog, and I love the long ones, because then it's like 45 minutes to an hour, I can do a whole, whole podcast. But I know that small business owners, a lot of times they're busy, right? And um, a lot of what I do is pretty short. So our whiteboard sessions, 20 minutes calls are no longer than an hour. My podcast, 10 to 15 minutes. Like I want to give you a nugget to take something to think about. And then you don't need to listen to me just chatter forever. Right. Right. So I try to be really efficient with my clients time too. And so most of the podcasts are pretty short. Very good. How long are the, um, the group, the group teachings? So those are the calls are an hour. The zoom calls are always an hour. And then the whiteboard sessions are usually about 20 minutes. Got it. Okay, cool. Um, I wanted to also ask you about um, how important it is to have a supportive spouse when you're running your own business. Do you find that, partner? Yes, absolutely. In fact, I just texted Jim, is my husband's name, last week. And I said, (laughs) I said, I fired a client that wasn't a good fit. Um, Thank you for letting me have a job where I have the freedom to do that. Yep. And I just want, you know, just want to let him know and he thumbs up or whatever. Um, but yeah, so he's always been very, you know, what are you going to do now? What are you going to Once in a while, he'd be like, can you just, okay, I have to tell you the story. So we were at some friend's home. They're both C-suite people and my husband as well. So all corporate. And then I'm the only entrepreneur. But the one guy, he's pretty creative. So we got to thinking about this problem that we were solving and we were thinking of stuff. So we got in the car. And Jim was like, can we just do like one idea at a time? And I'm like, well, I'm not going to do that. I just thought that, you know, so every once in a while I tire him out, but. Right. But it's hard to turn it off, you know, and that's the, that's, I I don't want to even call it a downside because it's not a downside, but it's like, it's like when the the ideas keep coming, you know, they do. And that's, that's the part of being successful. Yeah. You know, you have to, yeah, keep thinking of how to improve and change. And I'm training for an Ironman now. Oh, so wow. I'm doing an Ironman in October. Okay. And my husband was if like, if we all didn't hate you so- enough, now we really right? hate you, Sierra. Right? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. No. <laughs> just kidding. So my husband was like, I am so glad you're doing this. It's going to just make you simmer down in your <laughs> business a little bit. <laughs> it's a way you're going to have to expend energy. There you go. Exactly. And I have to plan for something different. So it has, it has actually been very good for me just to put my focus somewhere. And what I struggle with is slowing down and just following through. And I think that's important as entrepreneurs, like where are our weak spots and having that supportive husband or partner that can tell you, here's a weak spot I see. And I'm telling you, cause I love you. Like, let me, and Jim, that is a weak spot. Like Mm -hmm. sometimes I need to just stop and like, let it settle follow through, work on what I've got going on. And he's really good about slowing me down a little bit. Yeah, because you need to take time. You need to yeah. take time where you're not doing anything because yeah. it's not good for you either, like healthy wise. It's not. No, it's okay to just sit and be bored. It really is. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, one last question. So um, that it has to do with the naysayers. You, you wrote a blog yeah. post on your website about, um, I think you titled it, You Know That Look. And it is something that I think women maybe deal with 
with more than men. I'm probably generalizing, but how do you deal with the naysayers who who yeah. try to you know squash your dreams and goals and hopes? Yeah, so I would say I haven't been very good at dealing with that until more recently. In the last probably three or four years, I'm trying to build that muscle. Um, so I wrote the article because of Ironman training. So when I decided to do an Ironman, it was I found it really interesting because when I would tell people there was three different reactions. So, so, and these are all people I know, right? I'm not telling strangers. So some people would like kind of roll their eyes and like, okay, like, you know that you don't run long distance, say a comment like that. Cause I've always been a 5 er That's way different than an Ironman, right? Some people would be like, oh, okay. And like, they're trying to smile. And then some people would be like, you know what? You're crazy, but I've got your back. I cannot wait to you. You send me the link. You let me know when you're right. And so I thought that happens in business. So we'll go and we'll say to someone who we love and we spend time with, right? They're not strangers. And we say, you know, I think I'm going to open a second location or I think for the first time, I'm finally going to quit my job and I'm going to open my own business. And some people are like, oh my goodness, you've never been good with time. How are you going to do that? (gasps) Or, you know, no one in this community likes retail or whatever snarky things. And then you have some people who are like, okay, yeah, but they're never going to really support you, you know? And then you have the people that are, you know what? I could never do that, but I believe in you. Like, I've been waiting for you to do this. Like, I'm there. You let me know about grand opening, right? And so to deal with the people, first, you have to identify that a lot of times the people in group one and two that either are like, oh, and totally say the comment or just give you the look, it's because they're not confident in themselves. So when I said that to people and they were like, oh, but you can't run, it's because they don't think they can run an Ironman. Right. It's not because they really think I can't, right? They're just not confident. And so not to take that personal, just to say, I'm not going to give them updates, I don't need to put myself in front of the negative energy for the next six months and be like, and guess what I ran today? Cause I'm just going to keep getting that. So when we get those naysayers in small business, not to take it personal, to understand that it's just not for them, but then not to put ourselves in a position where we're going to constantly hear that focus our energy on that first group. That's like, you've got this. I'm at your grand opening. Do you have coupons I can hand out? Right. And to like lean into that and then understand that those other people, it's okay. Like, it's just not for them. Um, I think where the naysaying can really become toxic is when we take it to heart and, or we keep putting ourselves in front of it over and over expecting a different result because we're not going to get a different result. That's right. Yeah. That's great advice. Thank you so much because it's upsetting. And, and, and I guess I don't know yeah, what the intended. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know if the intended consequence is to stop the forward motion. I don't know if that's the, the read that the um, what they're hoping to achieve. But that's sometimes what happens. Right. If we let it. Exactly. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Very but that's important. different. I will say that it's different than having people in your life that are willing to give you positive feedback that isn't what you always want to hear. Right. Because it is it is important to not only have yes men in your life. So you have to have those people that say, I love you, but have you thought of it this way? That's yeah. different than like, uh, I don't think you'll ever be good at that. That's way different. And we need to have those people that are like, you know what? Think of it from this way or just slow down. Let's try it in two months. Give it some more time. That's a different kind of person. So it is that constructive criticism is very important. We have to have that. We don't want everyone just saying, you're got it. You go, you know, right. without any 
critiquing in a healthy way, if that makes sense. It does. And it sounds maybe like that's something that you do in your coaching. I mean, not the I love you part, but that would be nice. But you you do, you know, kind of point out to people, hey, you might want to look at it this way or that way, if you see the need to do that. Yeah, I've even I've told clients like you can close. Be done. Yes, it's okay. You're not trapped in this. It's okay to move on to the next chapter. I feel like really? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes we need those people too that are willing to in love say, you're just beating your head. Like, let's look at it from a different way. It's okay. Who cares? And people, well, what do they think? Who cares what people think? If it's not making you happy and you don't love it, don't do it. Exactly. So yeah, we try to be very honest, truthful, straight to the point. We don't have time for all the wishy-washy. Love it. Love it. No, you are going to help a lot of women. And you just light up when you talk about working with your clients and what does it mean to you personally to be able to mentor women? Like, you know what you're doing. Just having the empathy. It's huge. Yeah. Like I can feel when they tell me like, I just can't make sales or I just, you know, like, I know what that feels like. Yes. We can fix it though. You know? And so I think that's the difference. There's another um, boutique leader in the industry and she's never owned a boutique. No. And I'm like, I just don't know how you can tell people how to run a store if you've never done that. Yeah. And She's had other businesses, but it's not the same. It isn't the same. So I think that there is something really important when you, and we could have said that, but when you find a coach, find someone who has been in your shoes. Yes. That's really important. We've been speaking with Sierra Stockland. Thank you so much. She's the owner of the Boutique Workshop. Where can people find you, Sierra? Yeah. So they could go to just theboutiqueworkshop.com or to sierrastockland.com. On Instagram, you can follow me at cstockland. Excellent. And don't forget about the the Boutique Workshop podcast. And what do you have anything else on your list other than the Iron Man? Something else? <laughs> no. No? You're no, going to stick with I this for a while? About eight weeks. I'm about eight weeks out. So yeah, just riding lots of bike, doing lots of swimming and running, running, running. Wow. It's all good. Terrific. Yeah. All right. So check back in with us. Let us know how you're doing. Hey, I'll do it. Very good. All right, Sierra. Thank you. Thanks. And you are listening to Stories and Strategies for Women. You're listening to Stories and Strategies for Women podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a review. Visit me at my website, ClaudineWalk.com. Drop me a note on Instagram at ClaudineWalk. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Stay tuned for our interview with Sierra Stockland after these messages.